Hello and welcome to this episode of Be, Play, Love and Help One. Today we are joined by mother craftsman Chris Minogue. Chris has over 30 years of experience. Why did I pause then? Because I was thinking I've known you for quite a few years now. So I, um, I want to up that number. But anyway, Chris has many decades experience helping families with their babies and small children. And she can answer all your questions, whether it's about sleeping, feeding. Uh, often there's questions about when another baby comes home or after that, when more babies come home. <laughs> You have a number of ways you can ask Chris your questions today. If you're watching us live via Facebook, you can pop your question below this video in the comment section there. You can email us at helpline at theparentbrand.com.au. That's helpline at theparentbrand.com.au. Uh, but we won't be able to answer that until next week's podcast. And we also have a helpline group on Facebook. So you can join us there and ask a question or direct mail us. So lots of ways to ask your questions and get some help. Chris, how are you? I'm very well, thanks. That is good. You had a nice weekend. I did. I had a lovely weekend. Yeah. Nice and relaxing. Yeah. Excellent. Nice. I spent my weekend being bitten by a puppy, but we yeah. love him anyway. Yeah. My third child. The next segment, how to cope with a dog. Yeah. Do you have any tips on that one? <laughs> Treat it like a toddler. I think that's very good advice. Um, let's get on to some of these questions. We have an email from Louise. She says, my 10-month-old is very sensitive when teething, and I was just hoping for some advice on how best to support her sleep as she wakes a lot at the night unsettled and crying. What's the best way to comfort her back to sleep without ending up creating bad habits? She normally sleeps through the night, thanks to Chris's help a few months ago. Oh, thanks, Louise. Uh, well, it can be difficult with teething because, one, you know, how do you know the child is teething for a start? And two, how long does it go on for them? And, you know, every child is different. You can have a child as early as five months with their teeth in and as late as 15 months or 20 months before they get their teeth in. So it's quite varied. But in this age group around that sort of six, seven months through to 12 months, you generally see children teething. And a lot of people will ring me and ask me about teething. I think the first thing is the pain doesn't just occur at 10 o'clock at night, okay? So you generally, in the child, you'll see there, they might be a little bit more clingy, a little bit more agitated during the day. They, they don't want to put lots of things in their mouth. Sometimes I'll push a breast away or push a bottle away. Some kids get comfort by chewing and gnawing. Um, but generally what you'll see is that the gum will go bright red. So it's usually a healthy pink colour. And as the teeth buds come in, you'll see the little ridges and the little whiteness of the bud in their gum line. But as the tooth comes in, the gum goes really bright red. The child becomes irritable and will have difficulty with their sleep and with their eating at this time. So in the acute three days where the gum is bright red and the tooth is pushing through that skin layer and breaking the skin layer, I think you do have to give them some help with that pain because to not give them help with the pain and then have them up more frequently, maybe at night, will inevitably create a problem with sleep. But the teething was the initial reason for why the baby was waking. So the first thing is we've got a generally unsettled baby where they were settled. If they're waking more frequently at night, they need more comfort. I would try giving them something from either a teething powder 
or a teething gel that are on the market right through to some children might need something to actually relieve the pain. And then you're giving your, your child the best support around that pain. But the other thing that I see a lot is that when the babies start, start teething, the parent or the mother might go back to frequent breastfeeding. So the baby definitely needs comfort, but I would keep the breastfeeds where they normally fall. So if she was sleeping through the night and she's now teething, then giving her that comfort, that picking up, cuddling, putting her back down, patting her off to sleep, um, dealing with the pain that she might be in, I think is the most effective way of moving through the teething part phase without creating a sleep issue further down the track. So yes, she's gonna need a bit of more pick up and a cuddle and put down, but if you normally feed your baby once overnight, then I would continue to just feed them once overnight because very quickly it can move on to a much bigger problem that started with teething. So I'd hang in there, I'd assess whether she's really teething at that point. She's generally unsettled both day and night and I would give her something to help that pain to keep her sleeping as, um, as, as easily as, as she has been. Okay. Well, good luck, Louise. And if you do find that on reflection she's only um, crying at night, you might want to ask some more questions about this and she can <laughs> help you tweak that. But good luck. I hope that helps. We have a question from Kirsten on Facebook Live. She says, hi, I need some toilet training advice. I have a two and a half year old with no interest in toilet training, yet she's starting to rip ripping her nappies apart when they're dry. What can I do to keep her nappy on her? Help. Um, I'd probably start to slowly introduce the idea of toilet training. Um, if she's ripping it apart, is she doing it generally when she goes to bed and she's, you know, the timing mightn't be there and she's a bit bored. So she plays like they take their sleeping bag off and then they take their nappy off. So I think she's trying to tell you that the nappy feels uncomfortable and that we could probably give it a go at two and a half. I think, you know, in this weather in February is a great, February, March is a great time to toilet train. So let's see if we can introduce the idea of toileting and see if we can get that going. So the first thing I'd do is get a little toilet seat and a step and maybe when she has a bath, we sit her on the toilet and we actually see if over the next week or so, she can actually start doing a wee and that she is interested in, you know, sitting on the toilet, then washing her hands and, and doing it before the bath's a good period to do it because they're usually you're running the water and that might help her do a wee. Once you get a bit of traction there, I'd increase the number of times that we start to take her to the toilet. So I'd still be sort of encouraging her. So we're going to the park, let's go try for a wee before we go to the park. I'd take her out of nappies and put her into pull-ups or that type of a nappy. So she's got that up and down experience. And just see if you start getting a few more wees or maybe even when she's you know, jiggling when she wants to do a poop, she can get her to the toilet and see if we can encourage it to happen than not doing anything, waiting for her, but she's ripping the nappies off, which becomes behavioural. So I think I would go with it and start introducing the idea of toileting. Our next question comes from Alexandra on our Facebook Live. She says, my two and a half year old will only nap 
in the day in the car or he passes out on the floor if I don't put him in the car for a nap. He won't let me put him down for a nap in his bed. If he does go down in his room, I need to rock him for half an hour. And this is impossible for me because I also have a 10-month-old who needs me and he's also getting very heavy. How do I change this? Well, he's getting to two and a half and he's probably actually just between needing a sleep and not needing the sleep. So I actually wouldn't try putting him down in his bed. I would let him have a 20 minute sleep in the car or a little 20 minute sleep on the floor until he's ready to give it up. So ideally, you'd want him to do that sleep before 2 p.m. in the afternoon so it doesn't affect the way that he goes down at night. Um, But I think this is a sign that he's in that very sort of on that seesaw between I need to sleep and I don't need to sleep. And we see this really common at the end of the years that they need to sleep. So that 20 minutes, 40 minutes sleep on the floor, on the couch, or, you know, 15 minutes in the car is probably all he needs. And that's actually, I would take the lead from him and do that rather than placing him into bed. And then, you know, you're having to rock him. And that then becomes the problem. So I'd take his lead, let him have the nap where he needs to have it, just 20 to 40 minutes. And then he usually goes down about five, five and a half hours later. So ideally before two o'clock in the afternoon. Okay. This next question comes from Jamie on our Facebook Live. She says, we have an almost four-month-old who has just started rolling onto her side. She has slept in a love-to-dream swaddle since birth. She doesn't sleep as long without the swaddle, but with her wanting to roll on her side now, should we put her to sleep without the swaddle, without the swaddle and let her go? Uh, no, lots of babies sleep, you know, roll to their side for, could be a month or six weeks before they actually roll. So I think that one's up to you. If she's sleeping quite comfortably for you in the swaddle, and only roll into her side, I would leave it a little bit longer, but it's telling you you're getting closer to that stage. So once you see that roll from back to front, then uh, you need to start taking her arms out. Now, when you take the arms out of uh, those swaddles, especially the one where their arms are up, it does take them, you know, it could take up to a week for them to get used to the freedom of their arms and you get a lot of disruption through her sleep. So I think you just need to know that this is pretty normal and that you're going to have to help her go back to sleep. Um, But I wouldn't necessarily take it out now, but it's telling you that it's coming up quite soon. And giving yourself that good week to readjust her when her arms are free um, and that it does take about a week for him to get used to it. Crystal on Facebook Live asks, do you have any tips for toilet training boys? My boy is two and a half years old. He has started wearing undies and we ask him if he needs to go to the toilet, but he says no. And then he will wee in his undies. What are we doing wrong? So it sounds like this one, um, he may not have had that prep time beforehand to try and connect the action of going to the toilet with the feeling in his body. And previously to the question that we answered earlier in this, he just needs that guidance. So it's not as easy as take take off a nappy, put on some undies and say, do you want to go to the toilet? Because he'll just say no, because he's playing. So we have to show him. So I would go back and do a bit of toilet timing with him 
So um, about four or five times or four times for a boy across the day, I just say, let's go to the toilet and try for a wee. And then he can make that connection between I'm playing over here, my body needs to go to the bathroom, I need to leave what I'm doing and go over there and do a wee or sit on the toilet. So I think you need to guide him with that. And some boys, they can take quite a few um quite a few days or weeks even to get that connection between I need to stop what I'm doing and go to the toilet. So gentle reminders such as, you know, we're going to have lunch, let's try for a wee, wash our hands before we have lunch. We're going to the park, let's try for a wee. So don't ask him because he's always going to say no. You can say anything to a two and a half year old and the answer will be no. So, <laughs> I think this one, you've got to guide him a little bit more. And once you see him doing those ways, then I think asking him will be more effective. Good luck. Uh, Carlita says, hi, everyone. I need some help with my three-year-old's fussy eating. He used to be a great little eater, would try anything we gave him and enjoyed almost all foods, except for bananas, weirdly. I thought all kids <laughs> loved bananas. <laughs> But over the past four months or so, he's gradually started to refuse almost everything. He'll only have Vegemite on toast for breakfast, whereas he used to love things like wheat fix or yogurt with fruit. Lunch is also a Vegemite sandwich. If I serve anything else, he refuses to eat it. At dinner time, we offer the usual range, range of meats, veggies, pasta, rice, etc. But he now pushes all of the meat and veggies to one side, choosing only to eat potatoes or pasta with a white sauce. He <laughs> won't touch a red sauce. What is going on? How can his eating habits change so dramatically, so fast? Or is there something we can do? So all the parents all over Australia are agreeing with you. So this is a very normal and very typical problem, especially with this three-year-old range and age, that uh, they become fussy, but actually they just become very good at um, manipulating us as well as decreasing the amount of food. So if you offer him uh, Weet-Bix and he had been eating Weet-Bix and he says, no, I want toast and he gets the toast, then he will keep going till he gets the toast. So is he a fussy eater? Um, probably not. He's probably being choosy and pushing boundaries, which is what we would expect with a three-year-old. So I'd make a list of all the things that you know that he will eat and that he has eaten and, and enjoyed, okay? They'll all start limiting their diet down to you know, two vegetables and one protein and the same thing for lunch. That's a really typical eating pattern of a three-year-old. So the next thing you've got to do is make sure that you don't keep deflecting to the things he always likes. So if we're having bolognese tonight, that's fine. He can just eat the pasta if he wants the pasta and doesn't want the red sauce. But we, if you, the more you go and put down everything that he only wants to eat, the more he's going to narrow the types of foods that he will eat. So he needs to see it even in a small amount. So if he used to eat carrots and peas and potato and chicken, then I'd be putting a little bit of the carrots and the peas on the plate and the chicken and only a really small part of the pasta and then let him choose. It takes him either a couple of months to get back to full eating or a couple of years. But the more you limit the diet when he limits the diet, the more of the problem's going to be. But as uh, Siobhan and I know, Dr. Cohen um, 
is the fussy eater doctor and she has some really good pages and really good information so on her website or on her blog or even following her on instagram really good support for parents who are struggling in this way but the main message is the more you narrow the foods as he narrows the foods the more the narrowing will um continue so if it's not vegemite on toast day and it's wheat big day that's what he gets he's in you know beautiful downtown australia he won't he won't uh you know starve himself to sleep it's just a little bit of push and pull so it, make it bigger give him bigger scope and i'm sure in time it'll come back yes I can attest to the go narrow, it will stay narrow. Yeah. Do you need any evidence for that? <laughs> you have a chart. Uh, yes, we did exactly that. And it was, it's been a nightmare. Yeah. Uh, this question comes from Monica on Facebook Live. She says, hi, Chris, I'm having trouble with my 24-month-old son's sleep. He used to sleep beautifully until our family went away on a 10-day holiday. There he discovered he can escape his travel cot. Oh. So while on holiday, we opted to sleep in the same bed. Oh! Now that, <laughs> now that we're back, he demands to be patted to sleep until he falls asleep. Good. Otherwise, he will cry and scream for hours. Also, he is now waking up more often in the middle of the night, screaming and crying to come and sleep in our bed. Yeah. I wouldn't mind letting him sleep in our bed, but the trouble is he fusses the entire night, so all three of us end up not getting any sleep. His daily routine is pretty spot on. He wakes up around 6.30 a.m., goes down to nap at 12.31, wakes up around 2.33, and then bedtime at 7.38. I am not sure where to start. Please help. Okay, so you've got good timing. So I think your timing's really well. He's just quick and smart. You put him in bed for two nights, that's it. That's, I'd want to sleep in a bed with all the comfy people around. So this is just taking a little breath and going, okay, what do we need as a family to get him back in his bed? So obviously by ringing in and asking us, you want him back in his bed, that's the message you need to give him. So yes, there's going to be screaming and gnashing of the teeth and to in and fro in for a couple of nights, but he needs to get the right message. So the first thing I'd ask is, is he doing that in the day? So are you having to lay down with him during the day? So if he's happy to go into his cot in the day and maybe in the evening, then you're halfway to solving this problem. If he's not managing to get in his cot at all, in a way it's easier because then you're much more consistent with what you're going to do. But in this case, I would just go gently and firmly and it's going to take about three nights and you both need to be on the same page. So you and your partner are on the same page. And we need to just tell him that it's time to sleep in his cot. We can do things like stories in his room before he goes down. You could leave a little soft light out in the hallway. I wouldn't leave it in his room because I think by leaving it in his room, it sort of gives him an idea of where to go. So try and get out of his cot. And, and then I'd just do gentle, gentle sort of reminders about where he's going to sleep. So put him down, leave, he's going to cry, he's going to carry on. It is going to take you a while, but each night should get better or each time you do it should get better. So leaving him for a period of time, going back to the door and saying to him things like, I can't come to you until you put your head down. And once he puts his head down, go over, give him some reassurance, pat him and then leave, then leave him a little bit longer and to in and fro in it. And either of you or your partner could go in and do this. 
but the first night it is going to take a long time because he he thinks if I just keep pushing this I'm going to get into the bed so he needs we need calmness we need reassurance and we need to keep saying you need to get you're going to sleep in your bed you're going to sleep in your bed and just go up quick pat and back out of that room again so I tried over a weekend when there's less stress on you all or over three nights where there's less stress and I think you'll be surprised at how he can learn to sleep in his cot. All right, this question comes from Caroline on the Facebook Live. She says, my four and a half year old has started waking early in the morning, sometimes before 6am. Naturally, he's exhausted late in the day and super irritable. How can I get his sleep back on track in order to get my sweet boy back? He's usually asleep by 8.30 p.m. I think he's a bit overtired. Uh, the first thing I'd start doing is putting him to bed earlier. He's four and a half. I think I would have him starting to go into bed by, you know, the technique at 7.30. So reading a couple of stories to be out of that room by quarter to eight, 10 to eight. I think he's overtired. And the more overtired they get, the earlier they wake. So putting him to bed earlier might actually get him sleeping better in the long term, not putting him down later in the hope that he'll sleep longer in the morning. So the first thing I do is put him to bed earlier. You can put him to bed, he's four and a half, you can put him to bed as early as 7.30, as in you've started at six to put him into bed at 7, 7.30. But generally for his age, it would be 7.30 to be out of the room at quarter to eight. So that's the first thing. And then he's four and a half. Um, I just keep walking him back to his bed until he got the message. You could use one of those glow clocks, you know, so if he wakes up, that's fine. You can lay there. But in all honesty, I haven't seen them work really well where it's the day night clock or the monkey's eyes are open and you set the alarm time for it. I think this one at four and a half is more about walking him back to bed and him getting the message that it's, not uptime in our family, it's time to go to bed. So very different from a toddler or even a three-year-old doing this. A four and a half-year-old knows what they're doing. It's a matter of walking them back to their bed. Right. I wish you sweet dreams. Yeah. Rachel says uh, on our Facebook Live, hi, Chris, I just have a question about my 18 months naps and bedtime because I think maybe we need to adjust them. Her nap is 12.30, but lately she's she's falling asleep at 1 p.m. I still wake her at 2.30 p.m. Same yep. with her bedtime. She goes down at 7.30 p.m., but she only really falls asleep at 8 p.m. She wakes at 7 a.m. each morning. Should I be getting her to bed later so she falls to sleep faster? No, I think the timing's right. I think it's probably just more her age and she's sort of playing in and around there you could put her down at 12 30 which is when I would put her down um, and even if she was in there calmly playing and winding down till one and I would have her up at 2 30 to put her down at 7 30 so I actually think your timing is right in this place I think she's just taking a bit longer to to wind down and as long as she's calm and happy in there and playing with her 10 toes or her 10 fingers I don't think there's a problem with it per se. Usually by the time she's two, we'd put her down at 12.30, get her up at two and put her down at 7.30. But if she's not creating any long-term problems like waking more consistently at night, I would just put her down in those timeframes and let her sleep the amount of sleep that she wants within the right timeframe so that 
2.30 marker and then putting her down at 7.30 at night. Okay. Thank you for that question, Rachel. Good luck. This one comes from Teagues on our Facebook Live. She says, I have a question about my nine-month-old's overnight sleep. At the moment, he naps every three hours in the day, 30 minutes first nap, and then one hour 30 for the second. Her second and bedtime is between 6.30, 7.30 and wakes at 6.30 a.m. usually. He eats three meals plus a snack and three breastfeeds. He has daycare one, one day per week and where they try to give him bottles. He's waking every two to three hours at night and will only settle and stay asleep when he is fed before being put back in his cot. Very sleepy, then bum tapped to sleep. His dad rocks him, then bum taps him. When bum, bum taps in bed, aren't cutting it for him. What can we do to help him get longer sleep at night? He slept through the night till four months. So this has been going on for a little while now because he's now nine months. And I think he's just got used to someone putting him to sleep as opposed to him going to sleep. That's one part of it. The other part of it is he's a bit short on sleep. He's um, generally for his age at nine months, he should have about three hours sleep and he's only having two. So that means every night he's going down, he's probably going down overtired for if he's getting up at 6.30 and, and say going down at 6.37 in that sort of window. So I suspect he's overtired um, and that's not making it easier. And the second thing is there's a lots going on to get him to sleep. So there's bum tapping, there's rocking, there's patting, um, and he isn't doing the, the settling himself. So I think I would take the things that you're doing, but I'd turn them around the other way and get that to be the comfort, not the way he goes to sleep. So taking him into his room, um, a story, change the nappy, kiss cuddle, all of those types of things, soft lighting, then putting him down and walking away and giving him a chance to find a way of self-settling. So whether it's finger sucking or cuddling the toy or standing up and ranting about it, but just a short period of time, say five minutes, six minutes, not very long, a long time in a parent's mind, but not very long in his. And then go in and lay him down and tap him. So trying to stop the picking up at this point, lay him down, pat him until he's calm, not asleep, and then leave. And then repeat this cycle. Now, sometimes his crying will increase and you'll get much more agitated. You have to pick him up and give him a cuddle to calm him down. But he goes straight back in the bed again. You leave, give him a few minutes, come back and bun, pat, pat him or... Um, you know, in the cot. So I think the problem is you're putting him to sleep and the more he wakes up, the more you have to put him to sleep and we've got to teach him to self-settle. So try a really simple self-settle and that should make an, in, an indent to getting him to sleep longer in his bed on his own. All right, Chris, well, we've pretty much run out of time. Do you want me to try and squeeze one more question in? We can. Let's, why not? Um, this is from Sonia. She says, hi there. I'm looking for some advice about my kids and their constant fighting. They're two and a half and nearly four years old, a boy-girl combo. My husband and I thought that having kids close together in age would be great because they'd eventually be at similar stages and hopefully great friends. But the last six months have been exhausting with one or both of them tam tantruming over something pretty much every hour of the day. My daughter, almost four years old, four years old has had some speech delays and we've had her seeing a pediatric speech therapist for 12 months she's doing amazing now though almost up to par with kids her age 
but she still gets frustrated at times as she has to really think about her words. During her fights with her brother, she can tend to get really stressed and revert back to some of her old baby speech ways. Her little brother is very snatchy at the moment and is only just learning the concept of boundaries. He won't stay out of her space and she often reacts with lashing out, screaming or tantrums. It just feels like there's always something triggering them both and we just don't know where to start the get start with getting it sorted out. My husband and I have been shouted at have, my husband and I have both shouted at them more than we ever thought we would. It's really getting us down. Any advice for our stressed out family? I think lots of families go through this and I think you need to keep the image that they will be friends, but they may not be friends until they're like 18, 19, 20, 21. (laughs) More about managing the time. And I think in this case, having an awareness of what's going on for that child at that moment. So obviously she's a four-year-old and she, they, they play with much more intricate type toys, like smaller toys um, and they're theirs. And, and Siobhan, you have the girl-boy combination. You know mm-hmm. what this is like. You've got yep. the robust boy and the girl who's trying to sit quietly and do things. So the first thing I would do is be really aware that when they're in the room together that this is going to happen. So I might be spending a couple of days just diverting their play. So creating a space for her that allows her to play without him getting into it. Now, she's a four-year-old. So it might even be in her bedroom that she can have all of her dollies in her bedroom and hopefully the bedroom isn't too far away and that you actually deliberately keep him out of the bedroom. That's her private space. And that will decrease the amount of conflict between them. And the second thing is to engage him. So if you can see her playing quietly over there, maybe engaging him in a quick puzzle or um, building, stacking a block, or running around. You know, boys are all about running, climbing, and jumping. So maybe taking him out in the backyard if there was one for a couple of minutes to get him, just to release that energy from each other. So I'd really be aware of what's going on in the room for them and try and divert some of that behaviour before it even starts. But once it has started, then I think you have to pull them apart and let them both calm down. So whether you do that as time out, whether you have to give comfort to one child because it's been offended by the other child, I think at that point you've got to calm it down, slow it down and then reset again for them. And I don't think this is an unusual behaviour for that those two age groups at all. I think, you know, and especially in that combination because that boy is really boisterous and so destruction is a great game. And the girl is quite gentle and she wants to play in those intricate things and that boy comes along and knocks it. And I'm sure it goes both ways, you know, as it always does. Um, But I think it's about being aware of when they're in the room together and sort of you're sitting in the middle and sort of diverting it so they learn to play in the space together. And, And that's just a skill of parenting and as they get older, you just get better at it because they don't, they're not as destructive as this very young age group. Well, Chris, thank you so much for your time today. That's a pleasure. Anytime. If you didn't get a chance to ask your question to Chris, please don't forget we have parent school at Babyology where you can book a one-on-one session with any of our experts, but Chris is one of them. So if you'd like to have a chat with her online, just helps you to get the details out with Chris and um, easier to navigate what your what will work for your family because we're all different. 
Um, so you just jump online and book a session and it's all very easy. Chris, thank you. I think we will see you in another two weeks, even Absolutely. though we'll be back next week. We'll see you then. Thanks, Chris. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Feed, Play, Love is a babyology podcast produced and presented by me, Siobhan Hunt. I'd love to hear from you. So if you'd like to get in touch, email me at feedplaylove at theparentbrand.com.au. See you next time.